welcome to Season 2 of Busting Addiction and Its Myths, sponsored by Safe House Rehab Thailand, where we offer a modern approach to recovery, breaking with tradition by introducing new technologies that help disrupt the cycle of addiction. To learn more, visit us at safehouserehab.com and click on the video, or contact us at info at safehouserehab.com, and we'll tell you about our $1,000 airfare allowance and referral rewards program. My name is Bruno J. And here's why I created this podcast. Our research has shown that despite the opioid epidemic and the worldwide panic over the ravages of addiction, we didn't see that treatment centers were doing anything different to break the cycle more effectively and improve the odds of long-term success. So we have set out to do things differently and to let all those who love an addict or alcoholic know more about the advances in treatment that we represent. Here's what we're doing differently. We have designed our diagnostics and detox to isolate and treat opioid and multi-addiction, example, alcohol plus opioids plus speed, more effectively, given that these are the new challenges of addiction in the 21st century. We integrate leading-edge technology into the recovering process, thereby disrupting the disorder, speeding the recovery of brain health. Clients come to treatment with damaged brains. This is a given. We pay attention to the importance of dopamine and other ingredients vital to brain health recovery. Traditional rehabs don't provide anywhere near the tools and close guidance that clients truly need to help keep them clean and sober for life. We do it right. First, we advise our clients to go into our sober living facility to serve as a transition to normal life, and we absolutely outperform traditional rehabs when it comes to providing a structure for long-term recovery. So if you love an addict or alcoholic and you feel like your loved one is sucking the oxygen out of your life, is stealing your money, stealing your peace of mind and your sanity, this podcast is for you. If you're feeling rage and shame and and he or she is living rent-free in your head 24-7, this podcast is for you. I hope to have you gain a better understanding of the nature of addictive disorder and the invisible effect it has on your psyche. It's my fervent hope you also gain a little more compassion for your loved one and for yourself in spite of this cunning, baffling, and powerful disease. To paraphrase an author in this space, we struggle because we love. Let's call this episode number 11 of season 2, Intervention Done Well or Not. I can't tell you. How many people have come up to me in the past decade and have asked me to lead an intervention like they see done on TV? The reality is that an intervention is not a reality show. I want to shed some light on the when and the how as it relates to an intervention, especially if you don't want to or can't hire a professional. I shall address the when and the how momentarily. One thing that leads to failure is to think that a one-on-one intervention has any chance of working. The odds are close to zero. First, the intervener has had no training. And the second factor is the fact that alcoholics and addicts are skillful manipulators. In their excellent book entitled Love First, the authors Deborah and Jeff Jay, no relation to your host, make the point that dealing with alcoholism or addiction effectively, whether in the family, in a treatment setting, or in Alcoholics or Narcotics Anonymous, is all about working in groups. The power of the group can triumph over the power of addiction. That's worth repeating, underlining, and putting in capital letters. The power of the group can triumph over the power of addiction. 
One-on-one, an addict can manipulate even a well-trained addictions counselor, but not an educated group. I remember, as if it were yesterday, fooling a well-meaning addictions counselor who actually lent me her AA book called 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. I had her convinced that I was what she called a high-functioning alcoholic. I'd never even heard that term before, and perhaps I fit one of the many types of alcoholics listed in her book somewhere. If she only knew that I was already circling the drain, that I was not only getting crazy drunk every night and smoking dope and taking pain pills, because I was so wrecked I couldn't sleep, so I needed to be knocked out. And I did this over and over and over, and I stayed drunk and high all weekend on top of it. Karen, my counselor, bless her sincere heart, called me high-functioning because she was judging me on the surface that I presented. I was still working as a senior executive at an ad agency, and I'd come to her because I was, quote, wondering if I was an alcoholic, and I wanted to know what to do about my situation, as I was worried about my job performance. In the back of my head, I was thinking that one day they would fire me, and eventually they did. Before that actually happened, I was still dressing well, driving a nice car and had the package going, but it was hell keeping up a normal front. So here I was, a real conundrum, looking okay, wanting to know if I was an alcoholic, but nearing the end, nearing my bottom, which came a few weeks later when I did get fired, for real. A six-figure job in the early 90s when six figures had a single guy living like a prince, a, a drunken prince, no less. One-on-one, I had Karen believing almost the opposite of the truth. I didn't even know the truth myself, not quite yet. I kept Karen's copy of the book. Her name is written in the pencil on the inside. Sometimes when I open her book, I still have it. I think back kindly on her sweetness, her kindness, and her sincerity. And I also feel a twinge of regret that I fooled her at the time. Denial is such a powerful force. Denial stands for don't even notice I am lying, which is really true. I didn't notice that I was lying. Fooling a group is really difficult and nigh unto impossible. I know because I tried. In early recovery, when I attended group therapy sessions in addition to AA meetings, which are not considered group therapy, what would happen is that each member of the group would go get to sit in the hot seat, and you were then subject to a rigorous examination of your version of the truth, your motives, and your dishonesties. You were always asked, what's the payoff? By that I mean that there is always some reward for your BS attitude and behavior. The usual answer is self-centered. To shift the blame, to avoid a confrontation, avoid working for something, getting something for nothing, and if you're a male, getting sex by lying and being disrespectful, ultimately. I still cannot believe how awfully I behaved with respect to the innocent, sincere women I made friends with for dishonorable reasons. You end up violating everything you used to believe in. So if I started to rationalize about my BS behavior, I was quickly, directly, and decisively called on my lies or my sophistry, which is defined as clever but fundamentally unsound and deceitful thinking. Little chance to escape the truth in that kind of setting. People can see others a lot more clearly than they can see themselves. And if you have a counselor who gives license to members of the group to splay each other wide open like that, then that's the kind of pain that gives rise to healing. Group therapy is the most perfect example of the phrase, the truth hurts. And also, ye shall know the truth, and it shall set you free. The knowledge of the truth is a mighty beginning on the path to freedom. Of course, you don't know any of that when you start your journey.
The important thing to remember is to understand that groups are the driving force behind intervention, and that the first word in the 12 steps is we. AA calls itself a we program, which acknowledges that an addict or alcoholic rarely, if ever, can get clean and sober on his own. As to the when, whenever the family is united in the need to intervene before it's too late in their minds, when they're fed up, when lives are endangered, when the welfare of children is at stake, when they themselves have hit their own bottom, that's when they are ready to take steps toward an intervention. The four pillars of a successful intervention, credit the authors of Love First, are as follows. One, the family is united through education and open, honest communication. Reading the book Love First, A Family's Guide to Intervention, together is a good start and a real eye-opener into the mind of the addict and alcoholic. Two, the addicted person hears how much her family loves her. Three, the family members have the opportunity to explain how the addiction has affected them. And four, the addict learns that the family will support recovery, but will not support addiction. Two other factors come into play in a successful intervention. One, the family has taken the time to learn about the process of addiction, to learn how addicts think, and are able to look at things with an informed perspective. The addict isn't evil, he's just sick. The second factor is that the addict or alcoholic hears, likely for the first time in very specific terms, how much she is loved. This is a quote from the book Love First. Most of us will live and die and never experience a time when the people we care about come together in one room at one time to tell us how much they love us and why. Now there's a state, now there's a truth that takes my breath away. The fact is that an addict can deny almost anything, but the one thing she can usually not deny is the fact that the family actually does love her. Love is the most powerful force that is able to bust through the denial, hence the title of the book, Love First. The addict then hears how her addiction has affected the family in honest yet loving terms. There is no anger, no blaming, and no judgment. The addict alcoholic also hears the closing statement that everyone in the group is willing to support only recovery, but no one is willing to help him stay sick. The consequences of not accepting help, often the family has a treatment center standing by to receive the addict that very day, are that the addict will no longer be able to take advantage of the enabling he has contrived to squeeze out of his family. It might mean cutting off the money supply or having him move out of his rent-free apartment. This is where the resolve of the family comes into play. I intervened with my own daughter just that way, and three weeks later, after she, she was looking at no more free car and no more free apartment, she checked herself into a treatment center in Austin, Texas. She then blamed me for her predicament. <laughs> that didn't last too long, but it was funny to me at the time. So what did we learn today? Intervention can easily be mishandled if the family is not educated about the proper approach, and it should rarely, if ever, be done one-on-one. -on -one. Two, the power of the group is well understood in recovery, and it is the principal means by which an intervention should take place. Three, the power of love cuts through denial, and the addict learns perhaps for the first time how much the family loves her and why. Four, learning how her addiction had, has affected each family member and the fact that the family will support only recovery sets up the either-or choice the addict is asked to take. 
And five, this family simply must be prepared for a failed intervention and also be prepared to enforce the consequences. It is well known that, quote, failed interventions succeed later, as was the case with my own daughter many years ago. Thank you for tuning in today. It's my fervent hope we've given you new insight and new hope that will lighten your burden. For our hearts go out to all who suffer the effects of addictive disorder. Please give us your feedback at info at safehouserehab.com. By all means, ask us any question you like, and we'll answer on air, if you will. And if you want to leave us your first name and city, we'll recognize you too, of course. This podcast is sponsored by safehouserehab.com, where we take a modern approach to recovery, something all families of those who suffer deserve. Tune in next week for more.